I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Still Florida week time. Vol still a double digit favorite time. That still feels weird time. If it feels weird to Tennessee, then Tennessee might be in trouble time because uh, when you're the big dog, you got to eat time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a very, very pleasant Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Coming to you from Old North Knoxville, just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, which uh, in about 48 hours from the time we're recording this, so maybe about 46, 47 hours uh, from the time we're dropping this, will be one of the loudest places uh, on earth for, for a short period of time there as the 11th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers host the 20th-ranked Florida Gators at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS, which is, of course, as we all know, the greatest network that has ever existed or will ever exist in the history of uh, broadcast, broadcastery, broadcastism, whichever you want to call that. We got a lot to discuss on this podcast. It's Thursday of the Florida week. Lots of matchups to discuss. We kind of put off early in the week discussing the matchups. We're going to get to those now, uh, get to some injury talk, uh, and, and wrap it up with some recruiting talk. So the combination of all those things lets you know that we're going to go uh, to down to uh, the area of town where Ben McKee lives in a house that we have not named yet, and it's getting super annoying uh, that we haven't found a, a name for that. I'm sorry, Judges Chambers is not going to fly. Uh, neither is Ben's Puberty Palace, unfortunately. we got to find a name for that place, and then we'll go over to the uh, Home Daycare Center to get to Ryan Callahan. Fellas, how are we today? Doing well, and uh, I was going to say, Wes, you, you've got to do better. It's It's been a few weeks now. you you got to come up with a name. Yeah, I'm waiting for something to come to me, and it just hasn't yet. And, and honestly, it's probably been the past couple of weeks our normal – uh, child care provider has has been uh, very very sick so I've been basically pulling double duty for two weeks now and uh, trying to be uh, daddy daycare and and you know normal work stuff and it's just sort of uh, um, I'm, I'm consuming uh, an energy drink right now as we record this podcast that's what sort of uh, that's what sort of a uh, couple weeks it's been I just say we roll with Ben McKee's house and keep it nice and simple but the real people, or the real reason people are here today, Wes, is to listen to us break down Tennessee, Florida. Because in the words of the great Detroit Lions running back, Jamal Williams, on Hard Knocks last month, if you're going to piss like a puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dogs have and eat. And that's the type of game we go. have this weekend. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, we do. And Tennessee, uh, neither one of these teams will, will be, of course, um, fully constructed. Neither one will be uh, fully available for this game. Uh, Tennessee, as uh, uh, as some of us, again, this is about Tennessee, Florida, not about us, but as some of us have predicted, uh, Josh Heupel was uh, as evasive as ever this week when discussing injuries. We had a little fun with it. Uh, you know, certainly he's had Congrats, a little, Wes. He's had Congrats a little fun with on, it. on making the – the, the the most obvious prediction of all time. Congratulations. <laughs> you you have a gold sticker coming to your house do I, in do, the mail. Do I get count for a bold prediction? Do I get a bold prediction uh for, for no, that? No, because no, you didn't predict you didn't predict you didn't use bold. the word ho- you didn't use the word hopeful. You you didn't say that he would use the word hopeful because he actually did try to give you a sliver yeah, of, of information. I, I, I'm no, ho- it wasn't I, the bold prediction. It, it, if, if you're going to get a bold prediction correct, the prediction has to be bold, and there's nothing bold about what you predict. Yeah, I'm hopeful that I will roll into the Tennessee-Florida game wearing about, weighing about 198 pounds. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm very hopeful uh, that that will be the case uh, when game time arrives. But in all seriousness, Tennessee obviously has some some major – 
some major injury questions going on right now. Cedric Tillman, uh, inarguably, in my opinion, one of the best wide receivers in college football, uh, is very much doubtful for this game, according to everything that that I've heard, according to everything. We'll see if Ben and Ryan have have heard differently, but just don't think you're going to see Cedric Tillman in this football game. And then with Jabari Small, you will see. Don't really know yet what the deal is there. And Dylan Sampson, kind of the same deal. So, uh, fellas, what have y'all heard about that? Because we know what Josh Heupel has said, and with all due respect to a guy who's easy to deal with, uh, his injury notes usually mean somewhere approximating nothing. So w- what what the deal is, is is what I think I just said it was. But have y'all heard differently? Because if, if I'm wrong, feel free to say that right now. No, I would I would be pretty surprised at this point if Cedric Tillman plays Saturday, and that's – you know, that, that's, that's a blow to Tennessee. We, we can get into that a little bit more in, in a second. But I, I, think the, I think the running back availability, at least a little bit more in question, as opposed to Tillman, who I would say is somewhere between, you know, doubtful and pretty much out. Um, so, uh, you know, Sampson, Jabari Small, there's at least a chance one of those guys plays. Um, but there, I, think, I, I don't think it's out of the question that all three of those guys could sit out this game. You know, we'll see what these final 48 hours before kickoff hold and what the final – assessment is on on friday but uh, I, I think those guys are all legitimately banged up and there's legitimate concern about how much tennessee might get out of them at the running back position and obviously tillman being out's a, a big loss if that's how it plays out yeah the good news is that tillman did not suffer a season ending injury which was the fear when you saw him go down the way that he did and just the way that he was bent backwards it, it did not appear to be anything that was going to develop into something positive for Tennessee. Uh, It it just simply did not look good. But uh, you did avoid catastrophe there. Uh, But as Ryan and Wes have both said, it it would be almost a minor miracle if he was able to play on Saturday. Just I I would be very surprised if if he played Saturday. But uh, you never know how an ankle is going to take to treatment and how you feel on Saturday after the game, how you feel on Monday of, of game week is, is different than how you feel Friday night or, or Saturday morning. So uh, I don't think it's been completely ruled out, but I, I do think it would be a, a big surprise if Cedric Tillman played. And that's unfortunate because Cedric Tillman is obviously he's possibly the best receiver in the country. He's certainly in the conversation and you look at Florida secondary and it, it's not a bad Florida secondary, but it's not a, a secondary that instills fear in you. Uh, it's not a secondary that is going to have, at least this year, first-round draft picks like we've seen in the past with some Florida secondary. So you, you hate that Cedric Tillman and Hendon Hooker aren't going to be able to take advantage of that. And, and we'll get into the matchups here in, in just a moment. But uh, And then with Jabari Small, sounds like it was just a stinger. Uh, seems pretty optimistic from what I've gathered that, that he'll be good to go. But uh, also, as Ryan pointed out, not a certainty either. And it seems to seem – Things just seem pretty quiet on the Dylan Sampson front. So the, those two are just as important uh, as Cedric Tillman going. Not not necessarily because they're equally as talented or equally as good of a football player, but at, at least you have some options that you can throw out at receiver West at, at running back if Sampson or, or Small aren't good to go or or even if they are good to go and are just a hit away from potentially being knocked out. I mean, you're, you're down to two backs. Jalen Wright, who also hasn't really stayed healthy throughout his short career, uh, and then a guy in Justin Williams Thomas, who I would say is a developmental back at the moment. Yeah, that certainly is is an issue for Tennessee, and I don't know that that at least from the people I've talked to around Florida, and, and it's a pretty good plug that we're going to have a, a pregame uh, pod coming out late in a couple of days here uh, with Graham Hall from Swamp Twenty Four Seven, and and just from talking to him and some other people, I, I don't down there, I, I don't know that there's enough there because they've got their own issues at Florida right now and so they're maybe not thinking as positively as they normally would going into a game like this but I don't know that that's being taken into account just how much of an impact that could have on Tennessee speaking of Florida the injuries there uh, obviously the right tackle looks to to still be out and then Ventrell Miller the the linebacker who's kind of the big Lebowski rug that holds everything together for that defense. The, it's just not been the same since he got hurt in that Kentucky game. Uh, he is questionable right now, so they will make that call, see how he looks on Saturday morning uh, or Saturday afternoon with, with pregame warm-ups and all of that. So that's the news there. But with Tennessee's injuries, this is, this, this is something I think all of us are much more qualified to discuss. 
what does Tennessee do? Let's say that uh, Tillman is out, just for the sake of argument. Let's say Tillman is out and that at least one of those two backs is not going to be able to go. What does that change for Tennessee with the game plan and with the matchups in this game? I, I, I think that would put Tennessee in a position where, much like the pit game, Hendon Hooker is going to have to go win this game for Tennessee. Uh, you know, J- Jalen Wright has shown he's a very capable running back, and I, I have no doubt he will be at least a solid option for Tennessee in the run game. But uh, basically, you're not going to feel great even if those guys are available. You're probably not going to feel great about how many carry, you know, how much of a, uh, a, a normal workload you can get out of a, a Jabari Small or, or a Dylan Sampson. And there's this, yeah, there's a scenario where you're either counting on Justin Williams Thomas to give you some carries or at, at best, maybe he's serving as the number three back and you're just hoping to get by with the top two. So I, I definitely think it's a concern that, that Tennessee is just going to have to to sort of get by and, and try to have an adequate running game, I think is the hope for this because Tennessee's offensive line, let's be real, has not been as good and run blocking, I would say, as they have in pass protection. So in a game like this where you're facing SEC competition for the first time this year, I, I definitely would worry a little bit about Tennessee's ability to run the ball. And I think this is a game where maybe Hendon Hooker has to provide a little bit of your run game. Maybe maybe run him a little bit more than usual if you are limited in depth there. And, and maybe that gives you a little bit of a spark too. And so I think this is a, you know, he did it against Pitt. He's been good this year, even if not as sharp as he was last year at times. But I think it's a game where Hendon Hooker is going to have to win the, win this one a little bit more than he would in, in other games maybe. And and that's tough to do because Cedric Tillman might be out too. So I I, I don't know. I mean, we can get back to this in a minute, but that we touched on that, that 10 and a half point spread, which is what the last time I checked is still what it's at. It just seems weird to see Tennessee as that big of a favorite over Florida, especially knowing what the possible absence of Cedric Tillman yeah, could yeah, mean and the line for Tennessee's offense. Yeah, the line hasn't moved. I mean, and Vegas usually has pretty good intel on those kinds of things. So, I mean, it's it's just interesting to me. I, I don't doubt that Tennessee could still win this game by that margin, but I definitely don't know that it's as sure a thing as, as a lot of people are assuming because who's to say this offense will which struggled against Pitt even with Cedric Tillman will, will be firing on all cylinders if they are without without Tillman. But, yeah, for the run game, I, I think that's a real concern, and they've got to they've got to find a way to to get some semblance of balance if – if they are struggling to run the ball or, or, you know, they need Jalen Wright to have a good day, first of all, but even if he can't, they need to at least be somewhat balanced and, and not make this a, a game where Hendon Hooker's got to throw it 40 times. Cause that's where I don't think you see hookers best sometimes when he gets into a game where he has to throw it a lot. Right. I, I think Ryan hit the nail on the head. If, if those guys can't go Hendon, especially if the, the running backs aren't as healthy and aren't as available, it, like and I think people also have to realize that just because Jabari Small or Dylan Sampson dresses out, that that doesn't mean that they're 100 percent and and good to go. I mean, it it could be just to where they're 65 percent and just barely good enough to put on a, a uniform, and and you're just one hit away from being knocked out of the game at that point. I mean, we saw that practically every week last season with Jabari Small. So I, I think Hendon has to do. Uh, he has to essentially put the team on his back. And and obviously Tennessee is going to need players to step up. If Cedric Tillman can't indeed go, Ramel Keaton, Walker Merrill, Jimmy Holiday, uh, Jimmy Callaway suspended for the first half. I wouldn't count on him being in the game plan this week just because I already don't, I already don't trust Jimmy Callaway to be ready to go from the start of a football game. I'm definitely not going to trust him to be ready to go and locked in after halftime of a football game when, when he's been suspended for the first half. So Holiday, Merrill, uh, maybe a score white. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Ramel Keaton, one of those guys are going to have to step up. And obviously they're going to have to step up while Brew McCoy steps up, while Jalen Hyatt steps up. Uh, so I, I'm not literally saying that Hendon has to to take over the game, Cam Newton style, in, in order for Tennessee to win. But he he's got to – He's got to carry a lot of the load. And, and I think, honestly, the biggest difference, because I, I think maybe you'll see Jacob Warren mixed into the passing game more, and I think he's certainly capable of that. And you, Tennessee's tight ends do more than you realize, just in terms of uh, their, their blocking and, and going out as pass catchers, and uh, they go in motion and, and different uh, formations and, and things of that nature. And it can be real confusing 
for a defense, especially for a Florida defense that may be without Ventra Miller, as Wes was talking. And, and I want to highlight that because you you read some things about Florida and Ventra Miller and Billy Napier and some of their players have called Ventra Miller irreplaceable and that nobody on that football team has more respect than Ventra Miller. He is without a, a doubt, not just the heart and soul and the leader of the defense. He's the heart and soul and the leader of the entire team. And, and as Wes pointed out earlier, you've seen Florida's defense take a step back since he got hurt early in that Kentucky game. So uh, at, at least not that you obviously wish injury upon a, an opponent, but Tennessee will have that going in their favor. It'll be a real shame is kind of my overall point if Tennessee can't run the ball because you saw Utah gash Florida on the ground. Kentucky didn't run the ball all that well, but Kentucky hasn't been able to run the ball well against anybody to start the season. And then last week, a bad USF team was able to run the ball. And, and Gary Bohannon didn't go Josh Dobbs or Michael Vick on the Florida defense. But every now and then he had a nice little run that would pick up a first down when USF was able to pick up a first down. And I, I think maybe Tennessee seeing some things on film that Gary Bohannon was able to do with his legs, the former Baylor quarterback, and hurting the Florida defense with his legs, that's kind of where I look at it as Hendon needing to put more of the team on his back, not necessarily with his arm. Yes, he'll have to be successful through the air, but because of the uncertainty with Tennessee's backs, the uncertainty with the passing game because your go-to guy's not playing, I think Tennessee needs to have more designed runs for Hendon Hooker in this football game. Yeah, a couple things there. I think Ben's point about the tight ends is something I've been trying to say for two years now, that if you don't see – What's tight end point? Here we go. If you don't see how important the tight ends are to just about everything Tennessee does offensively, I know that that their their pass game production numbers are not huge, and I think, especially in Warren's case, they probably should be bigger. But in in terms of what they do, the motions they do, the way they block, the way they chip on guys, the way that they distract as sort of window dressing on a lot of plays, what they do. It's insane when you watch how what the responsibilities placed on them are in a game. And to have two guys who have been there forever doing that is huge for Tennessee. Tennessee's offense is not what it is right now without those two tight ends, full stop. And I don't – I think people who, like, really, 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 really know football probably know that. Um, but I think there's maybe some more casual fans who maybe don't realize how important those two are to everything Tennessee's doing offensively. But to to, to the the broader point, uh, I, I think where Ben and I maybe slightly differ is I think this is a game where Tennessee is saying, here is the game, Hendon Hooker, uh, go win this thing. Like if, if Tillman can't play, if uh, Small and Samson either can't play or are or, or, or unavailable or, or not 100%, whatever you want to call it, they're basically saying, here, Hendon Hooker, here are our hopes and dreams and aspirations. Uh, please go end this losing streak against Florida. Please go win this game Saturday, and then we'll see if we can get your guys healthy for a couple weeks going down the, the, the pike uh, to, to play LSU and then beyond. So I, I think this is a game where it's really good because I think Hendon Hooker's a kid who can handle pressure. I think the way he's built mentally, he kind of goes into that meditation, gospel listening mode before games and kind of channels a lot of that inner peace that he talks about. And he's kind of an old soul anyway. So I don't think he's going to feel that pressure. I think he can handle this just fine. And I think he's going to have to, guys, because I think this is a game where they're going to say, Hendon Hooker, you're going to run it a lot. You're going to throw it a lot without your best guy out there. Uh, This is you, bro. Here it is. Yeah, no, I, I I just real quick, Ryan. I I do agree with that, Wes. My my thing is that he can make all the good throws he wants, but if another receiver doesn't step up or if Bruce McCord doesn't step up, it's not going to matter what Hendon does. And and even in the running game, I think one of I, I think the quarterbacks in this game and the running game on each side will dictate the outcome. Uh, Tennessee's ability to bottle up Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker putting the team on his back and, and carrying a lot of the load, as, as you were discussing. Uh, but also, Tennessee's going to have to slow down a, a good, pretty good Florida rushing attack. And like Florida's run defense isn't that great. So even though Tennessee may be banged up in the running game, Tennessee still should have success. But like there's other individual matchups within that big matchup that Tennessee is going to have to win, like a Cooper Mays who isn't the biggest offensive lineman going up against a very big nose tackle and Desmond Watson at, at six foot five, 
440 pounds and, and Cooper is very athletic and, and he should be able to use that to his advantage. But if Cooper struggles with that matchup and it's not just Cooper because he'll get help from Jerome Carvin and Javante Spragans, but the interior of Tennessee's offensive line, Ryan, if, if they're not able to handle like one of those type of matchups, it's not going to matter what Hendon Hooker does. So I do think they'll put a lot of the weight on Hendon's shoulders game plan wise, but Hendon's going to need some help to go out there and, and win. That's, that's why there's 11 players on the field. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point, Ben. And, and, you know, Cedric Tillman, let's face it, was, was Hendon Hooker's security blanket in the pit game. He threw 18 passes his way yep. uh, in a game that was, that was up for grabs until overtime, obviously. So, uh, if you take him out, you know, wh- where would he have gone with those passes in that game? You know, we- we've seen Brew McCoy only catch a handful of balls, only caught one pass last week against Akron. Uh, you know, he- he's he's shown signs of being a-, a pretty pretty solid player so far, but we've not seen him, you know, really have a breakout game yet. He, he, did, and, he did have a te- he did have a touchdown taken off the board with a questionable PI last week. Though. He did, he did. That's that's fair. So he he's he's going to have to. It- it's a big test for him. You know, what can he do? You know, we. We've heard so much about him since he committed to Tennessee back in the spring. You know, he's a former five-star prospect. This is a guy that, you know, at least at one time ha- had his sights set on, you know, trying to be a one-and-done guy like a lot of these veteran transfers are and, and, and playing his way into the NFL draft by next year. If he's going to be that type of player, this is a great, great test to see if, if he's going to have any chance of being in that discussion because a guy with that kind of ability needs to find a way to make some plays in this game and he should have every opportunity. And, and maybe more so than that, this is a good game to gauge the progress, just how far Jalen Hyatt has come. Because we've seen a couple games here recently. He's looked he's looked pretty good. He caught eleven passes at Pitt, had the big game last week against Akron. You know, but those those eleven balls he caught against Pitt were a lot of short stuff, you know, a lot, a lot of sideline routes and things like that. And then he stretched the field more against Akron. Can we see him stretch the field the way Cedric Tillman sometimes does? against a team like Florida, and can he do what he did last week against Akron against SEC competition? So this is a it's a it's a fascinating kind of barometer game for some of these guys, obviously not named Cedric Tillman, if if he is out for this game, because they're they're gonna have to have someone step forward. And and that's a that's a good point, Ben, because they they can't just we can't just assume that Tennessee's going to get the same production out of Hendon Hooker without Cedric Tillman, his far and away favorite receiver, that this is this is going to have to be kind of a group effort. And, and the offensive line does have to play well, too, on, on top of all of that. But, but yeah, especially at wide receiver, someone is going to have to step forward. And, that, you know, I, I wonder if it's someone that we're not even talking about, if it's a, you know, Ramel Keaton, if it's a Jimmy Holiday, if I, someone kind I, of yeah, unexpected. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Jimmy Holiday is a name that we've, we're all kind of, I mean, Ben mentioned him yeah. earlier, but throughout the week we've not discussed him much, and his name keeps popping up in my mind as somebody who could go out there and surprise people. Yeah, so so we'll we'll see. You know, Squirrel White probably gets a few chances in this game. You know, does does his speed come into play at some point? They they just might have to. What whatever other ideas you've got beyond the first couple pages of the playbook, you might have to try a few of those this week to 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 kind of get a spark. I, I'm wondering that you know as as we talk about this, just sitting here thinking about this, I'm wondering if this turns out to be a lower scoring game than we're expecting it to be. Um, maybe just knowing what Tennessee's offense typically does, because Tennessee's defense has been pretty solid this year. Very good on third down. I think allowing 23% conversions on third downs. Florida's not really lighting it up offensively. I mean, th- this could be a game where 28, 31 points wins it, and that's not a typical game for Tennessee under Josh Heupel. Yeah, the, I, I think without Tillman in there, I think Florida will be would be much more aggressive defensively. I might it, that's a, that's a hunch. That's not like a I know this is going to happen kind of deal because I, I don't. Frankly, I don't. But I, I just have a suspicion that that Florida without Tillman out there is going to be much more kind of, you know, kind of that, that bump and run press coverage, uh, bringing some heat on hooker. I, I think they will try to sort of seize the initiative and go after Tennessee. Cause I think if Tillman's out there, you can talk all the time about how much confidence you have in your DBs. It's just really damn hard to guard Tillman with one guy. It just is. It's hard to cover him with one guy. They would have to, you know, do a couple of brackets. They would have to have safety help over toward that way. And I think without him out there, I think Florida will probably say, okay, uh, now we're going to go some, some, some zero coverage or one coverage, and um, we're going to come after you. And if you're going to make plays, you're going to make plays. But by God, we're going to make you go make those plays. I think that's possible without Tillman in there. I might be wrong about that. But that's just, that's just a suspicion that I have. Yeah, and I, I think something that's key is Tennessee getting off to a, a, a good start offensively. And mm-hmm. 
more so Hendon Hooker, honestly, because he he's yet to this season start the game off strong. Uh, and credit to him for bouncing back. And it's not like he struggled the entire first quarter, the entire first half, and and then turned it on. Like it, it was the first drive or the first two drives, and then he turned it on. I mean, yeah, I you if you go look at the numbers on his first two drives, and then look what he did after that, it, it's night and day different. I mean, you you see that he finishes fourteen of eighteen uh, against Akron last week, but he finished eleven for his last eleven. So he, he did not start off all that hot and didn't against Pittsburgh on the first two drives either. Missed three throws uh, high that he typically makes. And, and there was some of that against Ball State in the opener uh, as well. So I, I think that's going to be a key as well. I, it, that may seem cliche, but more so this week than ever because of all the talk around the game. I, I think if Tennessee can get out to a 10 to nothing lead, or a 14 nothing lead, I think that could allow doubt to creep into the mind of the Florida players. And they'll pretend like they haven't heard the noise, but it's social media. Josh Heifel said it today in his press conference. It's social media. You can't prevent your players from hearing all the talk and, and hearing all the outside noise. They are all going to hear it, so you might as well embrace it. And that's why he told his team early in the week to enjoy college game day being in town to enjoy Checker Nealon and it being a sellout and all these other things because, A, they've earned it, but just because you've earned those things doesn't mean that you're going to beat Florida on Saturday. Your preparation still needs to be good. So my point is that what Florida players have heard all week on the flip side of what Tennessee players have heard is that they're 11-point underdogs and the biggest underdogs to Tennessee in like 40 or 50 years. That That's what Florida players have heard and, and that they're not supposed to win this game. They, they've heard all the doubt from their fans and the media and so on and so forth. Uh, you, you see Trevor Etienne tweeting about how Florida needs to free his little brother, Travis, and, and get him more touches. That That's what's been going on in Gainesville this week. So if Tennessee is able to jump out to a 10-0, 14-0 lead, I think some doubt could creep into the mind of those Florida players and think, man, they, they were right, and, and come out swinging and, and almost knocked them out early, and, and then it could be a blowout. And then obviously on the flip side, we know how these Tennessee games have gone, Tennessee-Florida games have gone the last 20 years. If if Florida's able to make some noise early on, maybe that same doubt, but for different reason, creeps into the minds of, of Tennessee players. So I, I think it's it's vital that Hendon Hooker kind of reverses that trend of being off on the first series or two and, and comes out and, and throws a haymaker like they did last season on opening drives. What's interesting and, to me is I, I think that would start in the crowd is where that's yep. where that, I would say the challenge for Tennessee fans in this game is that, you know, it's going to be natural and totally understandable for you to get worried about, you know, if Florida gets off to a, to a hot start or something, or makes a big run at, at it. Then, then all of a sudden the, the, you can hear the groans from the crowd and things go down and players are affected by that. They absolutely are. Listen, at the end of the day, the players are the ones responsible for their performance, not what's going on around them. But I do think they can get affected either way by what's happening with the 102,000 people in a big sea of orange and white behind them. So that's going to be fascinating as well. I think, Ryan, before we before we do this, I think we need to go to break. We're a little bit overdue, but we're going to come back, and I think there's a lot of things that we do uh, need to discuss more. We need to talk about Anthony Richardson more. We need to talk about uh, the point that Ryan's trying to make here before I cut him off going to break. Uh, we need to talk about recruiting. We need to talk about a lot of other things, but we are overdue for a break. So let's step away quickly, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from... Fort Rucker Studio, Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center. Talking Tennessee football, the Vols, uh, 11th-ranked Vols, hosting 20th-ranked Florida, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. CBS, the greatest network that's ever been invented in the history of mankind, or humankind, I suppose I should say. Rides 2022, let's say humankind. Lots to discuss on this episode, lots more to discuss about the matchups in this game, about some a huge recruiting weekend for Tennessee. We're going to get to all that. After you listen to this spiel, just quickly, guys, if you could take about a minute out of your day right now, maybe 60, 75, 90 seconds tops, please go in there and uh, subscribe to and rate and review this podcast. If you're just listening on the stream right there on the website, there's nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there uh, and uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVoth 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. You never want to say no complaints, but but very few complaints from our end. Um, but I don't think, since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends. If you don't have any friends, tell people wearing orange around you. Tell them, hey, I, I wish that I uh, had friends, so maybe will you be my friend? But regardless, uh, you look like a Tennessee fan. You're going to like this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. If you're already doing all of those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ryan, I apologize for cutting you off at the end of the first segment. The floor is yours for whatever you needed to say uh, at the end of the first segment when we were discussing some matchups. Well, well, just kind of to, to wrap up that point about Tennessee getting off to a strong start, which I think is a, is a great point. Uh, you know, Tennessee not, you know, they've kind of reversed that trend almost from last year where it seemed like they were uh, guaranteed to get off to a 10 nothing or 14 nothing uh, lead in so many games last year. Um, they get down 10 nothing against Pitt, and then Hendon Hooker's had this sort of trend of starting off slow. Last week starts three of seven before hitting his final 11 passes. So uh, I, I think it's important, especially for the reasons you guys mentioned, you've got a big crowd that you want to get in the game. If you jump on Florida early, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be sensing a chance to deliver a knockout punch. They'll be all over Florida and it'll be an even tougher place to play. You get down, like you said, maybe that doubt starts to creep in, but what came to mind for me is that big lead early or, or an early lead could be even more important for Tennessee because that's not playing to Florida's strengths. If they get down and have to throw the ball, this is a team that's, hasn't thrown a touchdown pass this year, you know, with, with Anthony Richardson, they, they, they've, they've got to find a way to stay in the game from the start and, and make this, you know, maybe not a lower scoring game, but, but a, a score for score kind of game where they're not having to play catch up from a 10, nothing, 14, nothing. That's, that's not, that's not their kind of game. So I think if Tennessee could get up early, that, that really could, uh, you know, ca- not only cause some doubt to creep into Florida's head, but also just kind of get them off the type of game they would like to play with Richardson. Yeah, if, I, if I'm Tennessee and I win the toss in this game, I am taking the football uh, because I want to get out to a start if I possibly can. I know a lot of people say defer all the time, but I would I would want the ball because I would want to jump on on this team. Of course, maybe you say – maybe the, the counterargument is you say defer because you want the first couple, you know, nervy snaps of the game to go to Anthony Richardson, a quarterback playing in his mm-hmm. first career, uh, you know, starting his first time in a, in a road game ever, and it's at Tennessee of all places. So – I don't know, but I think that's a good transition, Ryan. I'm glad you said that. That's a really good transition to what we need to talk about, which is when Tennessee's defense is on the field, right? We know special teams is important. We know that Florida pretty much maybe not doesn't need a non-offensive touchdown but really could use one uh, if it wants to come into Knoxville and pull this upset off. So we know that's important, and we know Tennessee has had one pump blocked, almost a second one. Tennessee's been really up and really down in special teams this season, so it's going to be something to watch clearly because Florida always has athletes that give you problems there. And Tennessee's punt team is honestly, uh, once Brooks gets the ball away, he's, it's been, he's been – same old normal Paxton Brooks, but getting rid of it at times has, has been a challenge. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But when Tennessee is on defense, we know that Anthony Richardson is one of the most physically impressive quarterbacks in college football. I mean, he has thrown 
like what 120 passes or attempted 120 passes in his, his entire career has zero passing touchdowns this season is still like 15 overall in Mel Kuyper's most recent draft projections that came out, I believe uh, Thursday morning. So he's still an unbelievable prospect despite everything that's going on around him. Uh, and, and I wonder what Tennessee can do to keep this young man in the pocket. He did have what looked like a pretty, pretty nasty hit by the Kentucky player. Honestly, you might get fined for that in the NFL. That looked like the little dive at Brady's ACL a couple of years ago that became an issue in the NFL. Uh, he, he's not been the same since then. Hadn't run a lot last week, um, but he's a kid who, if he gets out in the pocket, can give you all kinds of problems, has an absolute hose of an arm, but it's not been put together. What does Tennessee need to do to not let it come together and not let him be one of these Tim Tebow stars born moments against Tennessee? Uh, I'm I'm not a defensive guru, so I can't tell you the intricacies of that, Wes, but I, I'll tell you that it's going to determine the game. I, I truly believe that. I, I think if if Tennessee is able to prevent Anthony Richardson from playing like he did against Utah in week one, which he was terrific. He, he may not have a passing touchdown. He was, he was awesome yeah. uh, against Utah. I, I believe he was the first quarterback since Tim Tebow to have three rushing touchdowns and over 150 passing yards in a game. And I know 150 passing yards isn't a ton, but anytime you're mentioned in the same sentence as Tim Tebow, you did something good. And he did look awesome in that game against Utah. And he's capable of looking that way again this Saturday against Tennessee. I would not at all be surprised if if he did look that good against Tennessee. And, and maybe not even because Tennessee did something wrong, but – as you were discussing about his draft profile, he's just that talented. He has all the tools that the NFL wants in a quarterback, the arm strength, the athletic ability, the ability to, to beat defenses with his legs. And it's been really confusing as to why Florida has not utilized his legs. I was listening to Cole Kublik earlier this week, and he said that last week he charted one play against USF in which Anthony Richardson uh, or Florida called a designed run for Anthony Richardson. And, and you look at the way he was running around against Utah in the opener, and, and you're really confused as to why. And I realized that it was USF, and, and maybe they were being over vanilla and didn't think that it was going to come down to USF botching a field goal. But why is Anthony Richardson ever having one designed run in a football game. And it does seem like there may be some legitimate reasons. They they have a lot of uncertainty behind Anthony Richardson on the quarterback depth chart. Uh, Jack Miller, the transfer from Ohio State, is still coming back from thumb surgery. And, and they do have Jalen Kitna, but he's been banged up. And other than that, they have a walk-on. So uh, if Anthony Richardson were to go down because you're running him into the ground, Florida would be in just absolute hot water. Uh, and then there's also, as you mentioned, Wes, the, the the evidence against Kentucky of him taking an awkward hit and, and limping around. And, and he kind of admitted that he's been playing through some pain and he, he did not shy away from the fact that maybe something wasn't bothering him, although nobody at Florida has just come out and, and flat said it. So maybe that's why he's not running around as much. But to your point, Tennessee's going to have to bottle him up. I, I think it, it's going to be the difference in the game if if you allow him to do what he get, did to Utah, you probably don't win this game. If if you bottle him up the way Kentucky and USF did the last two weeks, you're winning that game, Ryan. It's it's that simple to me. I, I agree, and I, I think it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see wh what Tennessee defense we see in this game because we haven't seen them really be tested by a running quarterback all season. And I can't help but go back to Matt Corral rushing for 195 yards against Tennessee last year in a game that was admittedly very unique because you had a quarterback running 30 times, and that was clearly something they thought they could do, and they just kind of kept going back to it. And a lot of them were plays where Corral would drop back and then tuck and run, and the center would take off blocking downfield. So that was not just a, an indication that Tennessee's going to be terrible at stopping a running quarterback again, now facing a, a, a real running threat for the first time this year. But we have seen a noticeably better Tennessee defense this year. Um, they're getting better play at linebacker, which is a good sign for, for being able to slow down a guy like Anthony Richardson. But, you know, can we expect Tennessee to have a similar outcome against a guy this athletic, who's this much of a talent overall, who can make plays throwing when he gets outside the pocket? You know, all, all of those things are going to be a real challenge for Tennessee. And 
you know, this is where Jeremy Banks, I think, might be as important as any player on the field. These are the types of games where we've seen the worst versions of him sometimes because his lack of discipline will get to him. He'll overrun some plays. He'll miss tackles. He'll commit costly penalties sometimes. If we see the disciplined, efficient, uh, sound tackling version of Jeremy Banks that we saw last week when I thought he had a pretty good game against Akron, I like Tennessee's chances of winning this game. And if we see more of the Aaron Beasley that we've seen the first few games this season, that's going to bode really well for Tennessee. If those guys struggle, though, this really could be a long day for Tennessee because I think anything you do to slow down Richardson presumably has to start with spying Richardson or those those linebackers otherwise containing Richardson. And those guys, have again, they've played better, but we just haven't seen the body of work to know whether these guys can be counted on to do that well against a guy as athletic as Richardson is. So it's a fascinating matchup. And I'm, uh, I, I definitely think that's, you know, one of the, one of the two things that's going to decide this game along with just how, how good Tennessee's passing game is um, if they are without Cedric Tillman. Yeah. And Wes, I, I kind of dodged your initial question of what, what can Tennessee's defense <laughs> specifically do? And, and I mean, it's the cliche things, right? Staying in your rush lanes, yes. which, I expect that from a Rodney Garner coach defensive line. They, they've typically done good at, with that the last year and a half. Uh, the the perimeter guys, the, the edge guys, are going to have to do a good job of setting the edge, whether it's Byron Young, Roman Harrison, or Josh Josephs gets in there early. There, there's those cliche things. What I'm more interested to see, Wes, is how much is Tennessee going to come after Florida? We know Tim Banks is aggressive. And I think he's going to come after Florida all day long and make Anthony Richardson beat them with his arm, uh, similar to, to what you saw him do against Pittsburgh with Keaton Slovis. And, and we saw how big of an impact that had because guys like Aaron Beasley were able to get home and, and really lay some tough hits on Slovis and it eventually knocked him out of the game. So on top of the cliche things, Wes, and, and this is even a cliche thing as well, but I imagine Tim Banks is going to bring the house quite often or bring a lot of pressure and just be really, really aggressive. And although we don't trust the corners outside of Kamal Haddon on an island, Florida doesn't have any receivers that scares you. They, they really don't. And I, right I, th- now, I think if Pearsall, if Pearsall could ever get healthy, I do think he's a pretty solid he, player. I th- yeah, I agree. I do. I think he's a solid player. He doesn't scare me. He, he's not a, he's not a difference maker. He's just a solid college football player and, and nothing wrong with that. But he, he shouldn't single-handedly beat Tennessee. What will single-handedly beat Tennessee is Anthony Richardson being able to make plays as Tennessee comes after him, which I think Tennessee and Tim Banks will do because, A, Tim Banks likes to be aggressive, and, B, guys like Anthony Richardson, you want to make him beat you with his arm. So on top of staying in your rush lanes, on on top of containing the edge and, and not allowing Richardson to escape the pocket, when you get a chance to bring down Anthony Richardson, you have to bring him down to the ground. I, I don't care if you have to hold on, yeah, hold on to, to hold his on. ankle. Hold on and, and let everybody else come to the ball. I, I think that's going to be just as critical. And, and again, that's that's a cliche coaching point as well. But if, if you get a body on Anthony Richardson in, in the backfield, hold on until somebody gets there. You've got to be able to bring him to the ground in those moments. Yeah, I've got it's a cliche for a reason, right? Yeah. Cliches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I've got some, some sort of complicated thoughts on I'll, I'll try to be, be brief with it. I'll, I'll try to, but I, I don't know that you can go a lot of, you know, zero coverage if you're Tennessee in this game, just because you just, it's so hard to just trust that everyone that you're not going to have at least Trayvon flowers back there, you know, hoping to, to kind of keep things, you know, in, in check if somebody gets beat. So it's not a touchdown at least. Uh, and then when you play Richardson, you you kind of have to have a spy. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I know 10% as much about defenses as someone like a Tim Banks or, or these other SEC coordinators know. But I do know that when you watch film and things, it's when you don't spy Anthony Richardson, you don't have nearly as much success as when you do. So you're going to want to spy him. But also, Tennessee struggles to defend the middle of the field. So you've got a spy sitting there. And then you, are you creating more holes there in the middle of the field that you might be able to exploit. It gets complicated. This is where the whole chess match part of it comes in because I think at the end of the day, I, I would rather I would rather lose going forward than, than lose kind of holding ground. So I would want to attack because at that way, you're at least taking the initiative and seizing it, and if the other guy beats you, he beats you. So I would go out there and be aggressive just because you don't want to have any regrets in this thing. Um, but I would mix it up a little bit. I, I would – 
Um, I don't know that I would go a lot of zero coverage. I think I would go kind of some spy, maybe one over the top, and then everybody else has either got a man or they're coming hard. Um, you know, I think maybe that's something that, that you could do. Of course, Tim Banks could watch film and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drop eight, and uh, I'm going to sit in zones. And I don't think this kid's going to be able to pick me apart that way. There's a lot of, there's a million different ways you could attack this thing. I, I just think that at the end of the day, if Anthony Richardson stays in the pocket, Tennessee probably wins this football game. If Anthony Richardson gets out of the pocket, I have questions because Tennessee has not played a great offense and not that Florida is, but Akron, Ball State, not so good. They're just not so good at the football thing. Uh, Pitt, uh, Tennessee's credit knocked the starting quarterback out of the game also the best running back was not able to play I mean they were down to the third string quarterback who was on or backup quarterback who was on one leg there toward toward the the most of the fourth quarter Tennessee's not really played like a really really good offense yet so I still have serious questions about when Tennessee's playing actual peers can it defend the middle of the field and can it defend in space I don't know that it can I, I I just don't know that it can and I'm going to have to see that more before I assume that it can. Well, and I, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about this this week and just kind of assuming that because Richardson has not had a good game throwing the ball, that he's not going to have a good game throwing the ball against Tennessee, that, that Tennessee can sort of count on Florida just being okay in the passing game. I don't know if we can assume that. Tennessee is three games in, has not played an SEC opponent, and is allowing, what, 261 passing yards a game? Uh, and then there's an injury this week that hasn't gotten any attention uh, because the focus has been on the offensive guys who are banged up. But I don't know that we'll see Warren Burrell play again this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know how Tennessee fans have felt about his performance uh, so far this year. And, but when and really he's the there, coaches start him. When he's there, the coaches start him, period. Yeah. And the bottom line is that's just one less. If he's not out there, that's one less cornerback Tennessee can really count on in this game. And, and you're potentially an injury away from someone that you haven't thrown out there a lot being in the game. Um, so you, if, if that's the situation, if, if Burrell sits out again, then you've got Christian Charles and, and Kamal Haddon and those guys, you know, Haddon's been pretty good. Charles hasn't faced an opponent like this as a cornerback. You know, it's a big test for him. Uh, so I, I think Tennessee's got to play better in the secondary, uh, and you can't take for granted that Richardson is not going to beat you with his arm because he's very capable. He's just been in, too inconsistent and, and hasn't made enough plays, uh, throwing the ball to, to sort of make teams respect that side of things. So I think if Tennessee, you know, blitzes and doesn't get there, it, it, it could be a long day for them because their secondary has proved to be very vulnerable, as we saw in the first half of that pit game. When when Keaton Slovis was in there, they were throwing it with success. Um, so I, I think Tennessee's really got to – like you said, I think you want to keep Richardson in the pocket and make him throw. But but I, I'm not sure if I'm bringing a lot of pressure in this game. I think I would pick my spots and try to do it some because you've got to keep him guessing. But I, I don't know if this is a game where I'm bringing a lot of pressure if I'm Tim Banks because I, I think you'd rather sit back in coverage and make him pick you apart. And I don't want to leave those guys on an island in what's the first real test for a guy like uh, Christian Charles against an SEC opponent. Yeah, that, that is something that you certainly have to take into consideration when game planning. I, I would still bring pressure and be aggressive in this game as much as possible. And, and it's more so because Kentucky did it and Anthony Richardson freaked out and threw two really bad interceptions because he had pressure in his face and he just threw the ball to get rid of the football. And one resulted in a pick six and and one was an interception one handed by uh, Kentucky's Byron Young. Like you shouldn't be throwing those interceptions. So uh, on top of wanting to to get home and and not allow him to sit back and utilize his arm strength, I I want to to force him into making bad decisions and, and kind of freaking out there you're in the midst of 102-195, and they're all screaming mean things at you and, and cheering as loud as possible, and, and you've got pressure in your face, I don't think that's a good combination for Florida with the way that Anthony Richardson has showed a lack of composure so far this season, and he showed a lack of composure in three home games to this point in the season. So I, I, I don't necessarily trust Tennessee's corners either. I, I think that goes without being said. But also what's contributed to, to Florida's struggles in the passing game, it, it hasn't all been Anthony Richardson. They, they don't have any game-changing receivers. They, they don't. Mm-hmm. And, and like Wes said earlier, I like Ricky Pearsall, the Arizona State transfer. He'll be in the slot. He, he's a really nice, solid football player. But they, they just do not have the dynamic, game-changing Florida receivers that, that we've become accustomed to. 
they, they have Henderson out on the edge, and, and and he's okay. Justin Shorter, the transfer from Penn State a couple years ago, he's just never kind of developed into what they thought that they that he could be, and that they've contributed to Anthony Richardson not being successful throwing the football. So, and, and here's my thing with Warren Burrell is I. Like that doesn't worry me if Warren Burrell doesn't play. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> I, I I I could end up regret saying that and, and may look silly come Saturday night. But would Warren Burrell be starting if D Williams were healthy the first three weeks of the season? I think that's a real fair question. And uh, D Williams is still questionable to play this weekend against Florida, but he did seem closer to being ready to go last week and and seemed like he was just barely. Uh, over the hump from playing so if d williams is available then i i don't know that it's the bad thing that warren burrell's not playing uh, and to your point you know i i did think back to tim banks saying here uh i guess last week that you know hey we're our identity is pressuring we're we're a pressure defense or a pressure team so uh, i think i think you're you're probably right i think they probably will bring some pressure uh, I, I would I would personally pick my spots with it because i yeah just because of my concerns about the secondary but i definitely understand that that's that's what they feel they do well. I I, I would try to I, – I would want this to be one of those games where I can count on my front four getting the pressure you need because you definitely do need Byron Young, Tyler Barron, all those guys to get home and, and cause some problems for Richardson. I just – it seems like the kind of game where Tennessee could be in trouble if they have to bring five or six to do it, but maybe maybe that's still just what you need to do because Richardson, as you said, has shown a tendency to get flustered in those situations. Yeah, I wonder if it's just going to be – kind of a grab bag because you want to keep the kid guessing but uh sometimes I right think and you can't bring the house every single time yeah yeah you, you can't do like the old madden just pick monster blitz on every right. single on every single snap and just see what happens right i'm not i'm not saying do that I, I think wes i think you just kind of summarized up what i would do perfectly within one sentence is that you kind of it's a grab bag like i'm i'm bringing a lot most of the time but then there's also going to be instances where I show that I'm bringing a lot and drop back into coverage and keep him guessing. And I think that would force Anthony Richardson into some turnovers as well. And probably try, I, I think, probably try to have 102,000 people bothering him too the whole game, keep that pressure on him. Uh, on, along those lines, I, I do think this is this needs to be a good game for some combination of Tamari uh, McDonald and and uh, and Wesley Walker. And, and maybe we see, you know, I think we've seen a little bit more of Walker progressively throughout the season. But whoever's there in that star position, they're going to have some opportunities in this game. You know, I'm sure Tennessee will blitz at least a few times from those spots. Um, we saw Walker with a sack already this season. This needs to be a game where, where those guys get home on one of those blitzes because you, you do need to, to rattle him and get to him. And I'm sure Tennessee will try that at least a few times. And, and as you said, kind of try to disguise coverages and bring pressure from there too. Ryan, before we get out of here, there, there's a lot of, um, and Ben might obviously have some stuff to chime in on this too. This is a huge recruiting weekend for Tennessee just because it, it's obvious right duh like you've got Florida in town you got college game day in town you got a, a sellout crowd you got Checker Needland you got all kinds of big time stuff going on so you know Tennessee is going to be like okay they've been telling kids for months all right you cir- circle this thing on your calendar come here this is the weekend come here for this game big big game yada yada because maybe you don't want them in the house for the Bama game for different reasons but but you you, you want them coming to this game and, and I wonder with what you want to say about some of it, obviously we'll we'll keep behind the paywall. But generally speaking, uh, this is a huge weekend for Tennessee, is it not? Uh, absolutely. And and hey, to that point, Tennessee will have a bunch of guys in town. We've already got a, a or I've got a decent working list of some guys that'll be in town for the Alabama game too. Um, so that's going to be, I think, you know, a similarly big weekend for Tennessee, uh, just in terms of the quality of visitors. Uh, and it, it always is. You know, I tell people all the time, it's not just about getting people there for a win. You just want to see a big game atmosphere. And to that point, I think Tennessee's won, you know, even before kickoff of this game, they will have won with a lot of the recruits who are there. I mean, just getting them there, seeing that crowd, knowing college game days on campus, you know, it's going to be a great atmosphere. So no, no matter what, win or lose, Tennessee's going to have a good weekend on the recruiting front. It'll be better if they win, probably. Um, that doesn't mean you should expect a bunch of commitments or anything, but Tennessee is going to make an, a good impression on these guys regardless, and, and, and a win would certainly not hurt. Um, but, yeah, it, the focus this week, it, it's interesting because of where we are and where Tennessee's class is. we got 21 commitments. You know, there's still work to be done on the 2023 class, but it's not like there are just a long list of names left on the board that Tennessee's really aggressively going after now. So it's a short list of 2023 targets expected in, but a couple of official visitors that are obviously among the headliners. David Hobbs, uh, the big-time defensive lineman out of the Charlotte, North Carolina area. 
that one has turned into a kind of Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia battle since he decided to postpone his announcement that was originally planned for August 1st. And if he had gone forward with that on that date, it looked like North Carolina was the team to beat and was probably going to land him. Now that he's opened things back up, it's kind of an SEC battle and he's probably headed to the SEC uh, unless North Carolina can really change things. So uh, I think this is a huge visit for Tennessee. He's still got official visits to Georgia and Alabama left for the next several weeks. Um, so Tennessee really needs to make an impression. I think a, a, a good showing this weekend could go a long way to, to maybe helping Tennessee have a realistic shot in what's obviously a big-time battle there. And, and then Vison Lang, offensive lineman from, uh, from Pike Road, Alabama. He's been to Tennessee a couple times earlier this year. Uh, has been to LSU and Auburn already this season for games. So those those are looking like the three main contenders, Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn, probably Auburn, the main competition for Tennessee. And that obviously bodes well with Auburn having some struggles right now and some some real questions about that coaching staff's future. But uh, still a big opportunity for Tennessee getting him on campus. He's planning to wait. Uh, I had some people ask about this. He, he told us in a, in a story that you can read on Go Balls 24-7 he's probably going to wait until early signing day is, is what he's thinking right now. So not a guy that I would put on commitment watch this weekend, but certainly someone Tennessee is, I think, in pretty good shape with going into this visit. So, so a big opportunity for them to, to make an impression on him. And then the most fascinating name maybe on this list, uh, just because of what's happened over the past week, Arion Carter, uh, a now four-star linebacker from uh, Smyrna High School over in the Nashville area, uh, has just blown up over the past week, has gotten offers from Auburn, Alabama, Michigan, USC, Florida, LSU, Tennessee on Monday. Uh, I think a dozen offers as of this uh, the recording of this podcast over the past week. Did so the, he did, just, did the kid cure cancer? What the hell did he do in one week to go from a guy who didn't have yeah. those offers to all of them? What the hell did he do in one week? So he he was committed to Memphis, uh, committed to them over the summer, and and was for most of his junior year uh, was viewed as more of a running back prospect and looked like kind of a you know, a group of five prospect, like a nice player, six foot one, 208 pounds or so, a good sized kid that runs pretty well, um, but just didn't look like a big, big time prospect at running back. Uh, and then went to some camps this summer, Wake Forest and Memphis. I know are two of the schools where he camped as a linebacker and Memphis took him this summer as uh, I think with the idea that they were going to play him at linebacker. We're seeing now why, because his film, he's playing more on defense this year, pretty much focused on running back last year after playing some linebacker earlier in high school. And now that he's back at linebacker, in addition to playing running back, his defense's film is unreal. So he's just blown up with all this interest from, from SEC schools and others that, uh, that, that think he's a big-time talent at linebacker. Uh, go check out his film if you haven't. It's a, it's a fun watch. He is just a, uh, just a blur on some of those plays, getting to the quarterback and, and, and just making plays all over the field. Great closing speed, really hits, uh, hits hard. And for a guy with – uh, with the frame he has, you know, being only 208 pounds or so, that's exactly where you want him in high school because he's going to be 225, 230. Once you get him in a college weight room, he's just uh, he's what you're looking for, and he's a sharp kid. On top of that, uh, you know, we always talk about how cerebral of a position linebacker and safety are on defense. Well, this is a kid with a 31 ACT that has a nearly 4.0 GPA and has Ooh. like Ivy League offers in addition to all this other stuff. So um, wants to be a doctor. So not a typical kid in, in any way. Uh, to, to, to have that kind of academic background on top of uh, what you're seeing on film this season. So uh, not surprised to see him blowing up now that his film has kind of gotten out there, but he is a fascinating in-state target that Tennessee is now getting on campus this weekend after just offering on Monday. So that's a pretty important visit too, as his recruitment continues to heat up. And then on the 2024 front, just, I mean, pretty much every big name Tennessee's recruiting in that class, they've, uh, they're they're going to have on campus this weekend. Not everyone, but it's a lot of them. Uh, a few five stars. Ryan Wingo, the five star receiver from St. Louis, uh, will be in town, um, and, and some other guys in state that are uh, that that are certainly important to Tennessee, like Boo Carter, Caleb Beasley, uh, that, that Tennessee's already been involved with for a long time and had on campus multiple times. Edwin Spillman, even some five stars in the 2025 class, uh, or guys that are already rated that high this early. So. Um, it's going to be a pretty big turnout, but you're just not going to see a long, a long, long list of, of big names in the 23 class, but still going to be a huge weekend because of just the quality of players, especially in future classes. And obviously those few targets for 2023 uh, that are in town, they're, they're important to Tennessee. And then you have most of Tennessee's commitments also back in town led by Nico Iamaliava. So uh, obviously important to have those guys back and to have them recruiting for you and, and just to, to kind of continue to build the, 
uh, relationship with those guys because you have to hold on to those guys too, of course, until December. Yeah, the table is set, Vols. The, the table is set. You just got to go up there and eat, as uh, as uh, as Ben mentioned early on in this podcast. The table is set. Uh, could be a huge weekend in a lot of ways. And also, uh, let's be honest, Tennessee basketball and baseball too. Big, big recruiting weekends for those guys too. So there's, there's mm-hmm. lots – Lots going on on campus this weekend. Uh, you know, any if you're trying to go anywhere, whether it's to, to dinner on Friday night or breakfast before the game or tailgate or to the game, don't 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 delay. Get there, get there in a hurry. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. There's going to be a lot of people down there. So, uh, yeah, great I, point. I, I would I would I would I would leave early. There there is going to be a viewing party. If if any fans out there are, are kind of balking at the ticket prices, uh, there is a viewing party that they're going to have in Volunteer Village, I believe, uh, for the game Saturday afternoon. College game day, 9 a.m. to noon on, on Saturday, of course. Uh, ESPN set up uh, at the top of the hill uh, in front of Ayers Hall. So it, it's going to be a fun weekend. This is, you know, we, it's a busier week, of course, for us. But this is, you know, this, this is why you, weekends like this are why, why you enjoy doing this job. You know, this is this going to be a fun weekend. And I know Tennessee fans are, just, just praying for a win at this point in this series, but uh, but I hope everyone enjoys it. I mean, obviously it's not every day college game day comes to your campus. It's been six years. Weather should be nice. Uh, have have a fun weekend, everybody, and hope you all uh, get the most out of this because these opportunities don't come around all the time. Sounds good. You got anything else, Ben? Before we step out of here, anything else that you wanted to to in, to include? I am all good. This is a opportunity, I think, for Tennessee to to really make a statement this weekend. Under Josh Heupel, we talked about that earlier in the week, and uh, we'll see if Tennessee can take advantage of it because, like you just said, Wes, it, <laughs> it, it's all in your corner now, Josh Heupel football team, because all, all the recruits are going to be here, and and not just football. You, you mentioned it. There, there's going to be double-digit baseball recruits, and uh, Tennessee baseball certainly benefited from the opener. They had two big JUCO kids on campus that weekend, and both of them committed. Uh, and then basketball, a lot of 2024, 2025 kids. So it's a big weekend for, for, for all the sports on, on campus and for the fans as well. And we'll see if Tennessee can get the job done. They, they should, but we'll see. We've said that before, right? Yes, we, and, uh, we have said that well, before. Uh, uh, well, and just how weird is it that the pressure is all on Tennessee? Like, th- this is just a weird setup. I'm, not, I'm really not used to, you know, as we said earlier, Tennessee being a double-digit favorite over Florida, but they're absolutely – viewed by most everyone as the as the better team and but even though they've lost 16 of 17 in this series this is an opportunity for them but the pressure is all on them because people really aren't expecting much of florida so uh, you know we've seen some tennessee teams not handle that well in this series we'll, we'll see if things are different under josh heupel and, and with this hendon, hendon hooker led team we will see guys thanks a lot for joining us i know we went a few minutes longer than than normal but um it's it's we're not going to apologize for that it's tennessee florida week there's a ton of stuff going on there there yeah. was no way to contain this episode uh in the normal constraints so uh you know it's uh sorry for giving you more stuff to listen to sorry sorry world um but no seriously guys thanks for listening and uh and ben and ryan guys thanks for uh thanks for joining us see you guys Absolutely. thanks there's that button and now i can say Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forms that run around the clock, the checkerboard 
and the summit where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature 24 hours a day seven days a week and we will be there to discuss it with you just about one of us is up just about all the time at least so you can go in there and do that and you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month and that's after a free trial and that's always a lot of times we have better deals than that but at least we have the seven day free trial and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I have been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.